Hey guys, welcome to Calvary HSM. We are a place where we want to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. So we hope you enjoy this podcast. If you're meeting for the first time, my name is Aaron Kajumba. I serve here as a high school pastor and we exist to make disciples to live and love like Jesus. That's what we do out here. So what I'm going to ask you guys to do in the next few moments, if there's a chair in front of you, please fill it um, so we can utilize all these spaces. Nice. People listening. Powerful. I see you. You came in a crew. There's some seats right there. It's awesome. Uh, wherever there's a seat, please grab one, sit down, get, get, comf- get comfortable. This is our setup for our 11 a.m. service in our foreseeable summer future. And it's going to be awesome that we get to be here together. Well, this is Father's Day. Any fathers in the house? Woo-hoo. Oh, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> that's, uh, that's powerful. Praise God. Uh, Happy Father's Day. You know, well, well done, well done. I, I spoke to our group earlier this morning. I said, if you have the opportunity to speak life into the, love, uh, the lives of others around you, specifically if you're a dude right here, you have the gift of being a father. Fatherhood is more than just being able to have a child. It's being able to impart a bit of who God has made you to be into the lives of others. So if you are here in this room, you, have the, you are a father in training, and you have a gift to give to those who are around you. So... Uh, happy Father's Day for those who are here and those who are uh, here and maybe like you've had a rough season with your own father or you don't even have a father. The Bible talks about how God is a father to the fatherless and he knows you, he sees you, he loves you. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning as we jump into our text today. So uh, can I pray? Is that cool with you guys? Yeah, cool. Uh, Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to share your word. We ask that you bless this time. Let it be one where people hear your word, are blessed by who you are, and learn to trust you as Lord and Savior. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Father's Day. We're going to be opening up our Bibles to Luke chapter 15. We love the Bible here. And so if you don't have a Bible, please put up your hand. We can grab you one and gift one to you. Uh, If you have one on your phone, that's also a W. It's a big win. Uh, Easily Google all those good things. Uh, But we're in Luke chapter 15. And if you're familiar with that text, that is a parable of the prodigal son. Now, uh, if you're unfamiliar with that, the story goes like this, and we'll read it together. It says in Luke 15, 11 through 12, Jesus is hanging out with his homies, and they're talking about, he begins to just spit this story about a man who has two sons. And this younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, if you're here in this room, and you have some semblance of understanding what it means to have uh, an estate, and then to ask for it from your father, usually you get your inheritance what happens when someone dies. So basically, this guy said, Dad, die and give me all that you owe me. That's what he said. Now, I don't know what happens in your house. In my house, that becomes a belt. <laughs> that becomes uh, a timeout. That becomes just stuff is taken away. I didn't have PlayStation or all that stuff, so I wasn't on that plan, right? But that would be like mad disrespectful. He basically said, die and give me what I am owed, which is crazy and insane. And what we read in this text is that, interestingly enough, the father did so. He was gracious enough to just give him what he owed him. It says this in verse 13 through 14, that not long after that, the younger son got together all he had So the father said, all right, I'll give you your stuff. 
He set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in a wild living. And after he had spent everything, not some of it, but all of it, like it's gone. You know like when you're sipping a soda and then it's like, <laughs> and you take the ice and there's nothing else, like it's gone, gone. It was gone. He spent all of it. And what did he spend it on? All, all his wealth on wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. Now, some of us are reading this story and you're like, I am neither a son. The lady's like, what are you talking about, Aaron? That's not me. Uh, or you're not living wildly. Well, we'll get to that. You know, when we talk about wild living in context, foolish living. In Proverbs, if you guys read the book of Proverbs, it's an amazing book, right? There's about 31 chapters, all chock full of wisdom. Literally, I read the book of Proverbs knowing that if I read this book, I would get wisdom. Literally, I just wanted to be smart and wise and all those good things. So I read the book of Proverbs. Read one, one chapter a day, it will change your life. Proverbs defines a fool as someone who tries to go through life apart from God. Someone who tries to go through life apart from the blessing of their father, out of the grace of their father. And if you've been in a place where you've decided to say, God, I don't want to go your way. I want to go my way. Forget Yahweh. I want to do what I want to do. I'm doing my own thing. This is what the Bible calls sin. This is what the Bible calls foolishness. And we start naming on some things that maybe you've done in that space that are wild things. We'll define them as we go on. But if you're in that place right now, know this. It's the grace of God that you're here today on a Father's Day to learn about a father who loves you, who sees you, who says, even though you choose to ignore me and do your own thing, I still want you. This young man went and spent all his wealth, what God had given him, in time and talent and emotion. You might say, I don't have time. Well, obviously you do. Check your phone. See how much time you spend on your phone. We'll tell you how much time you have. I don't have talent. Many of you guys do have talents. Some of you have not even found out who you are. You have so much talent. But you waste it foolishly. That's what this young man did. Now, the biblical wise person is the one who says, Father, I hear you. I see what you're trying to do for me in my life. And I trust you. The, the issue is for us, we begin to look at what this heavenly father wants for us, and we kind of put that model and try to match it up with our heavenly fathers. And guess what? They'll probably never, ever match up. And it makes it hard for us to trust our earthly fathers or even our heavenly father because our earthly fathers sometimes are not perfect. So let's keep going. Verse 15 and 16 says, so he spends all his money. He's out there. He's wilding out. He buys the next Xbox or whatever, subscription to the most wild thing, whatever. He just spends all the money, right? Uh, and now he's broke. Now, I've been broke before, but I think he was like broke, broke. There's levels to this. Like there's nothing at all, right? So he was broke, broke. And now he gives himself to a farmer, a place where he's going to go and work. It says in verse 15, so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now, he's in a space where now he had the love of his father, he was safe and secure, and he goes far off. He goes somewhere else to find his identity, to find his love, to find his purpose. And now, after spending it all and finding that it is all empty and nothing, he is not only alone, he's lonely. 
Because you can be alone and be fine, right? You go to the store alone, you shop, you eat food alone. There's a time in my life where I 100% enjoyed going to watch movies alone. It's the best thing ever. You don't have to wait for anyone to get popcorn or in the line. You get your own stuff. No one asks you for your popcorn. Like, is it sure popcorn? It's like, it's too buttery. Or it's my popcorn. Like, leave it alone, right? It doesn't matter. But you can go and be alone and be fine. But now he's lonely because he's out of the will of his father. Have you been in that space before where you just feel like, dude, like, there's no one who wants to help me? Like, there's no one who sees me? There's no one who understands who I am and where I'm going. This is where this man is right now. This is where he is. See, when I read the Bible, I, I oftentimes read and I say, Lord, show me where I am in the scripture. What can I grow in myself? The Bible says that, 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 that in, the, in the book of James, that this book, this Bible is like a mirror. We look and see ourselves and we see the glory of God and our, our hearts are to change. That's why we talk about how in our context that God's people delight in God's word. And as I see this, I see myself where I'm lonely looking for identity. My story is one where I found my identity in doing the wildest things ever. Introduction to your youth pastor, crazy guy, wild and not sleeping with prostitutes, living in the streets, like crazy stuff. This is my, trying to find identity. Trying to find identity in even myself being, doing good things where I wanted to be the big brother of every other person around me. And so I did that so much so that I, don't even, I took, didn't, never took enough time to realize what I actually needed for myself as well. Sometimes that example of wild and out is not only just like going out to go and, and do crazy stuff. Sometimes it's just the self-sufficiency of trying to be your own master and control all things. But guess what, guys? You have no control. And here he is realizing that he has no control and he's alone and he's lonely. And what made him lonely was his foolishness. It left him alone and afraid. And he spent his money to get this identity and all these things. But let's see what happens when we try to attach our identity, our personhood, not from the Father, but from stuff around us. It says, when I, I look at these three things I put on our screen, one, that no money, and you can put whatever else in context of that gap, no money, no boyfriend, no relationship, no uh, game, no, like just nothing, nothing, no money can buy you happiness. Like, when I, and I say happiness, and we talk about joy and happiness, but truly the, the word in the Bible is happiness, and it gives us true happiness. We talked about this about three weeks ago when I taught the 11 a.m. for those who were freshmen. Uh, oh, man, you weren't freshmen then. You were like, what, eighth graders? Welcome, freshmen. Well done. Good to see you guys here. We talked about the difference between happiness and joy. But it's the gospel of the happy God, the loved God, the blessed God. He wants to give us all of himself, but we can't get that from the stuff in this world. See, even no relationship itself can bring us fulfillment. This young man took this money and he goes out there. And I don't want you guys would spend money on when you go out there and you have maybe a million bucks. What do you spend with a million bucks? If you have a million bucks, what are you going to do with a million bucks? Some buy a house, right? You take people out. All of a sudden, you're the cool person in your school, right? Like you got, you're the one driving the Lamborghini. I don't know why the Lamborghini is the one, but anyway, like you're you're the one who has all the stuff. But why? Because you're trying to get fulfillment. No relationship can bring can bring you fulfillment, and no drug can even give you comfort. These are things for us that we try to find our identity in. We strive for power. We strive for sex. We strive for money. 
power? How do I even look around my people? When, when people see me in my friend group, how do they view me? That's so important to me. And then sex is just relationships and how we want to be seen with our, our people around, around us in a sense of romance or even money. Money's a huge one, right? When you think about it, it's almost as if we're going to school specifically just to make enough money so we can survive. It's wild. It's a rat race. So we chase all these things, and he finds that none of these things can satisfy him. Why? Because we were meant to find our identity in the gift giver and not the gift itself. We're supposed to find our identity in our Father, the one who loves us. It says in Luke 15, 16, that he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Even the food that the pigs were eating, he wanted to eat, and no one would even help him to give him that food. No one would give him the lowliest of the things. See, what happens when we begin to live a life that is wild, that's far from God, that's not trusting the Father's care for us, we end up in places that we would never have ever been before. You end up in places you would never been before. You end up in, in friend groups where gossip is the thing. Like you guys already have your friends where you know you hang out and all you do is just gossip. Unhealthy because you're not following the will of God. Or you end up in a place where you're going out with that guy, going out with that girl to that one place that's dark and, I don't know, crazy, off the beaten path, you would not have gone there if you knew who you were and knew who God had called you to be. For some of us, we'd never ever try pornography or drugs or anything like that if we had confidence that we were enough. That I don't have to have this image of this other person to, to put myself up to and compare to. You would not do that if you knew and trusted who your father said you were. His trust in stuff and the things around him led him to do things that he never thought he would ever do in his life. No one in their right mind. I never thought that I'd be living the life I was living back then. Because when you come out your mama's wound, pop out, fresh, you know, fresh to death, all clean, or you're actually dirty, but whatever. Like you, you come out, you're hanging out, no one holds their baby and says, this child will take drugs. No one does that, right? Or no one says, this child is going to sleep around. No one does that. Like, no one says, this child is going to be a heartbreaker. No one does that ever, right? But when we don't trust the will of God, we end up doing things that are not meant to be in his plan. In fact, there's a verse in, I believe it's Jeremiah, that says, why do you spend your money in what is not bread? And your wages, what you work hard for. Some of you guys are about to start getting jobs. And you spend your time working hard on what does not satisfy, what does not truly satisfy you. He begs, why do you do that? God's asking his people, and he asks you today, why do you do that? It won't satisfy you. I want to give you more. I want to fulfill your satisfaction. And it won't happen from all these things. In Luke 15, 17, he goes on to say that when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. He goes, my father's servants are in the house, and they're eating better than me. They're in the house. They're in his will, and they have all that they need. And I'm starving to death. 
He comes to incenses. And here's something that I pray, and when we speak, when we worship, when we invite you to summer nights, invite you to um, our after parties on Sundays after the 5 p.m., when we invite you to small groups to hear and have life change happen, relationship, we want to pray and speak these things over you. We pray that like that man, like that boy who cussed out his father, basically said, die, dad, I don't want you, that you come to yourself. That the Spirit of God speaks to you. That your eyes, the Bible says in, in, in Ephesians, that the eyes of your understanding are enlightened. That your eyes are opened. Because before you're blind, you can't see the truth. You can't handle the truth. I don't know what movie that was. But anyway, the point is this. Like, you can't see it. Right? You can't see it. So we pray these things. We pray that your eyes will be open to see Jesus. That's what we pray. That's what you can pray for your friends who maybe are far off and don't understand who their father is. You can pray that their eyes are open to see Jesus. We pray that your hearts are inclined to trust his word. In this room, we have Bibles free for you there. We have Bible reading plans. We have on our walls, God's people delight in God's word. We just had seniors graduate from our context here and the things they were sharing about were the, the huge things for them were small group and hearing God's word like those are the things that that shaped their lives and so this is this is not just empty words guys we want you to hold on to this and we pray that your hearts are inclined to hear his word where when stuff goes wrong in your life my hope would be you'd be able to pull a verse to remembrance that says God will provide all my need according to his riches and glory. When you're worried about your purpose, God says, hey, I have a hope and a future for you. You have that in your mind. We want that to be your heartbeat. Our prayer is that your ears will hear the truth of the gospel. That Christ died for the sinner. He died for you and he wants to bring you back to God. It says that in scripture that Christ died once to bring us back to himself. To bring us back to the Father. To the Father who loves you. Now, we're praying it as people who are here, who are volunteering our time. Some of these people in this room, like they're not fathers right now, but they're spiritual fathers. They're spiritual mothers. And as people who have care and love for you, they're praying this over you. How much more your Father in heaven? How much more your Father in heaven? Who knows? I I might be like, dope shoes, bro. Looking fly. I appreciate the things about you. But God who knows all the intricacies of who you are and your future, who can truly appreciate, who truly knows you, like his heart for you and his prayer for you. In fact, it talks about, uh, we hear, hear this verse in John where Jesus prays for his disciples. And he goes, I will not lose anyone that you gave me, God. No, not one. He goes, I pray for them that not one will be lost. This father, this Jesus, this God prays harder for you up and he's also not only able just to pray he can fulfill your purpose verse 17 says again when he came to his senses he said how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and here i am starving to death what does he decide to do after coming to himself realizing that god his father has much more for him he says in verse 18 i'll set out and go back to my father and say to him father i have sinned against heaven against you and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. It's the most difficult thing to recognize and admit that you're wrong. For being honest, it's one of the hardest things ever. 
I'd, I would rather lie and cover it up and then move on. Anyone else in this room? Anyone? Right? Liars, all of you. <laughs> right, right? Like, that's an easier thing for us to do, right? No one wants to take ownership. Why? Because it means you're exposing yourself. You're willing to say, oh my gosh, you know what? Like, no, I am a bad person. I did mess up. I did make a mistake. I am out of the Father's will. That's what it means to repent. He comes to himself and says, I'm not just going to recognize what's wrong, that it's better for me. He says, I'm going to go back to my Father. I'm going to go back to him and trust him. This is what repentance looks like. Repentance looks like returning to the Father, going back to the one who loves you and saying, hey, it's me again. That's, those are my prayers. I know how you guys pray. You're like, Lord, thank you. Shine your, your light from heaven. I don't know how you guys pray. That's not how I pray. I was like, Lord, it's me. Back again. I messed up. I, oops, I did it again. I think that's a song too. Anyway, like the point is like, I'm just like honest with, with him. And I just say, hey, I, I need your forgiveness. And this is what the Bible says is called grace. When he actually withholds, right? He gives us actually what we don't deserve. He gives us what we don't deserve. He says, hey, I know you messed up. You owned it. All right, let's, let's move forward. When I was in high school, as a start of high school, middle school, I uh, was caught selling pancakes. Now, you guys want to know what pancakes are? Not those pancakes. Ricotta? No, nothing like that. These are like African pancakes. For those who don't know, I grew up in Uganda. Uh, yes, Wakanda forever. Let's go. Um, but I grew up in Uganda, and I went to this, this middle school where uh, we would leave school, and then next to our middle school was a high school, and they sold these pancakes. It was illegal for us to bring pancakes from the high school into the secondary school, into the primary school or the middle school, and yet what I did was, because I took myself home, right, as a middle schooler, I decided I'll become a pancake dealer. Yes, I slung pancakes back in the day. I know. No, not that, nothing harder than that, you know? So what I did was I would go over uh, with my money and buy, because let's say for you guys' minds, $1 would give you about 20 pancakes. It's a lot of pancakes, right? So I got maybe $50 worth, right? At this point, I was like wheeling and dealing. I would buy like a bunch of like stuff on my way home, like watches and whatever. I, like literally, I was a dealer. I'm not even playing. And then I will bring them back to school and sell them, make more money. Yes, I am. that was me. And I had all this, this money, and so I went and got this, this money, bought these pancakes, and my teacher was in on it. He was like, if you buy some pancakes and you give me some, we'll be good. I was like, solid. So I'm working with my teacher. I got my inside information guy. I got the in-crowd guy, whatever, we're good. But there was a teacher called Mr. Kakama. Don't even forget his name. That man hated me. Math teacher. <sighs> Praise God. Anyway, we're not talking about my pain here. Oh. It's good. I, I bought my $50 worth of pancakes. So if, if one dollar buys 20, how many of those? A lot. They're all of them. I put them in my backpack. My backpack was bursting at the seams, literally. It was so full that I was going back up the stairs into my you know, uh, middle school classroom. Uh, and going up the stairs, my friend uh, was next to me. He had some in his hand, like in a little bag as well. So he has them in his hand, right? You can see him. And I have mine in my backpack. My backpack is bursting at the seams. It's, it, it opens up. I don't realize my backpack's open, but you can see that clearly I have 
a lot of contraband <laughs> in my backpack, right? Pancake dealer, your pastor, praise God. Going up there, and then I see Mr. Kakuma. I'm like, oh, how you doing, man? Because I don't know. Like, my, you know, it's open. And he says, Kajumba. This is how our teachers would call us. They'd just be like, come. It was just one word. It wasn't like, come over here. I need to talk to you. America, so nice. Mr. Smith, come here. No, no, come. It's just like one word. You're like, what? What do I do? I went over there, and he's like, what are you doing? All these pancakes, all this stuff. He ended up taking these pancakes. He's like, I'm going to call your dad. I'm going to make sure he knows what's going on, all these different stuff. So I was like, no worries. Now, my friend who had the pancakes in his hand, he let go. Man hated me. Anyway, moving forward. I'm healing, guys. This is therapeutic for me. Um, I end up going home, and I'm kind of concerned because I didn't go to school to sell pancakes, right, or to be a pancake dealer. I went to school to do what? To study, right? There was a purpose for my school, right? And, guys, the best way to get out of school is to finish, right? Don't cut classes, whatever, just finish. So he- here it is. I go back home, and I don't want my-, my dad to be disappointed to hear this story from a teacher, right, of what I've done. And so what do I do? I didn't show him the money, <laughs> but <laughs> I did tell him. Thank you. <laughs> I did tell him. I did tell him. I, I went in the middle of the night, and I said, hey, Dad. And I don't know if you guys, how you guys are, but African parents and whatever is a little different. Going to your father's bedroom is, is already a big deal. You guys go, I don't, that's like the holy of holies in your house, right? Thank you. Like she's like, yes, you don't go to your parents' bedroom. That is where they are sleeping, and that's their space. Like you don't do that, right? So I, I knocked on the door, I went in and woke my dad up. So I entered into this place where I was like, man, this is my father's bedroom, but I, I, I know my dad loves me. I know I messed up. I went in there, I talked to him, and I was like, hey, I messed up. Um, I'm going to tell you something. So he comes out to the living room. I told him about the pancake story, all the deal, whatever. He was like, all right, no worries. Thanks for telling me. Um, just, you know, don't worry about it. You know, it's all good. We go the next day to uh, the school. And this teacher was going to, like, embarrass me in front of the whole school. He was like, look at these pancakes. Someone bought these. And everyone knew it was me. <laughs> like, you know, it was like, it was like a secret. Everyone started. No, everyone knew, right? Um, and, and yet my father was like, he just was like, it, it don't matter. It's okay. He already told me it's good. It, it, it was no big deal. We took those pancakes home, and we ate pancakes for about eight weeks. Trust me, it was amazing, right? Uh, they're not like these pancakes. We came for a while. The point is, I came to my father. I ran to my father. I came to him knowing that if I came to him in humility, if I, I came to him with honesty, he would listen. This God will do the same for you. This man returns to his father. He recognizes his sin. He says again, I have sinned against heaven and against you. When we sin, we don't just sin against God. We sin against people. But ultimately, we sin against the God of the universe. He's broken over his own sin. He says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. He feels broken. He's not sorry he got caught. He's sorry that he messed up. That's different. Then he recognizes who he has sinned against, like I said. He recognizes, man, I've, I've, I've done all this stuff against this father who knows me and loves me and wants me. And he decides, I'm going to, verse, in verse uh, 18, verse 19, I'm going to go back home, right? So it says verse 20, he got up and went to his father. 
But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. It's wild. He sees him from afar. It's almost as if he was waiting for him to come back. It's almost as if he was saying, man, I hope my son comes back. And so every day I imagine in my head that he would go out there and be like, man, maybe he's coming back. Maybe she's coming back. And maybe that's you, where you are far from God, but trust that God is not far from you. He's not far from you. He's eagerly waiting. He's looking out, waiting for you to come back. His eyes on his beloved. He's looking out to say, at some point you'll come back and trust that I am good, that I am patient, that I am loving. And for some of us, that's happened in our 30s, in our 20s. How much more love and joy and experience of the Father you can have now and not in your 50s or 60s or 80s or 90s or 100s? If you're that healthy, 100, I don't know, whatever. There's all these carcinogens, car- carcinogens, I don't know. Right, I don't know if you live that long. The point is this. I want to have the beginning of eternity with God now. Why not right now? Enjoy that right now. It says again that in another sense of scripture that while we were yet sinners, Christ still died for us. Even then we we're still messing up, he still died for us so we can have life with him in glory. And so... He sees his son from afar off. And we begin to look at this father in his heart. And here's some lessons we can take from our father. Again, verse 20 says that he saw him. He ran out to him. He kissed him. He put him a robe and a ring. And one, the first thing is this, that God sees you. And you might be like, dude, I don't know. Some of you guys, your father does not see you. Your earthly father, you don't even have one. You may not attend any of your games or any of your shows or any of your things. Now, guess what? Like I said, your father may not match up, but God does. He's there to honor that, to fill in the gap. Some of us in this room have become father-like figures as well, where we've been to literally this past few weeks, almost all of our seniors' graduations. Like, I want to see you at your show. I have one guy in my group, I'm like, dude, I want to see you play your game always forgets. It's the saddest thing ever because I want to, I want to be there like, put him in the game. I want to be that person, right? But this is what your father does for you. He wants to see you in the game. He wants to see you and he sees you also when you're not doing so well. He sees you in all those situations. Your father in heaven sees you so you're not insignificant or forgotten. No, your father has his eye on you. You're the apple of his eye. Again, it says that uh, his father was filled with compassion for him. Compassion. He cared about him. He loved him. And this God also has compassion for you. Many times, if you read the book of, uh, uh, specifically the book of Luke, right, or even uh, Mark's, you, you hear and see the language that Jesus was filled with compassion that he preached. He was filled with compassion, then he healed. He was filled with compassion, and then he did something in response. This God is full of compassion for you, and he wants to love you. And then it says in verse 20, as the worship team comes up, that, that he then threw his arms around him and kissed him and put a robe and a ring on him, right? This is deep intimacy. Now, 
when you think about kissing, we think about weddings, your mom, your dad. I hope those are the things that come to your mind. Those things come to my mind. I'm like, oh, praise God. Very nice, right? But this is an intimate thing coming to your face, right? No one comes up to someone's face like, I'm not going to do that, right? It's just weird. Like all close and personal, right? It's all the way in there. There's no hiding from it. And in, in that context, he sees him. He, he, he doesn't care where he's been. He doesn't ask him, what have you done? He knows. He sees. He went away. Life was probably horrible. But he goes, hey, 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 hey. I'm going to put a ring on you, which... Back in that time, having a ring is like a, is basically saying you're still part of my house. It's an identity. He clothes him with a robe. He covers him. Like my father, when I was slinging pancakes, he, he, he didn't say, uh, I'm going to tell your uncle. And he's just like, hey, this, this is our business. It's between you and me. And when you sin, it's between you and God. He wants to deal with that with you one-on-one, mano-a-mano. He wants to work on that with you. And then he gives him these sandals. He gives him all these things that represent that he's a part of the house, that he belongs. Child of God, trust that you still belong to this father. He loves you. That's his heart for you. This God is eagerly, earnestly waiting for you. He wants you to be a part of his heart. This father dressed him. Why? Because he loves him. And if you've been in a space where maybe your earthly father or father figure is not the one, hey, this is my encouragement to you. You have a heavenly father. He loves you. He sees you. I would, I would challenge you to honor that father as well. The Bible says that, really, when you think about it, the only commandment for children, right, is to honor your father and mother. And with that, there is a blessing. And you might have to put some boundaries in place for some things as well to avoid being hurt or whatnot. But do honor them. Honor that role. Because God wants to bless you. He wants you to be able to heal, to move on. He wants you to see Him as the ultimate Father and allow that heart to pour into you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this time. and thank you for how you've graced us, Lord, with your love and your care that you see us when we are far from you, you're not far from us, that you still run towards us and chase us, pursue us because you love us. You want to clothe us and to cover us and to be present through all of our changes, Lord. And I ask for my brothers and sisters in this room that you give them that understanding and also the strength to say, God, I see you. God, I know I've sinned against you but I know you love me. Let them have confidence that you love them, Father, that you know them, and you have more for them, Lord. Bless this time in all God's people's sin. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Calvary HSM podcast. We would love if you could connect with us on social media using the handle at CalvaryHSM805 on Instagram or going to our website, calvarywestlake.org slash HSM. We always have fun things going on and we want you to be a part.